I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts and community leaders to help raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about mental health and well being topics. Today, we are delighted to welcome Jen Van and Dr. Christy Land to our podcast. Throughout our various programming over the past couple of years, we have often focused on youth mental health, and we're going to spend most of our time with Jen and Christy today talking about youth. Ladies, I welcome you to each briefly introduce yourself and share just a little bit about your area of expertise. And Dr. Land, is it, is it okay if we start with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Irene, for having us today. Um, my name is Dr. Christy Land. Um, I have a background in school and clinical mental health counseling, and I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision from the University of Georgia. Um, I currently am an assistant professor at Grand Canyon University um, in their school and clinical mental health programs and have a private practice in Marietta, um, Hopeland Counseling um, and Wellness. Um, prior to that, I was a school counselor for many years. I was at an elementary school in Virginia for eight years, and then I was at Cobb County at a middle school for eight years as well. So my areas of expertise include working with children and adolescents and families. Families are such a large component of um, young people's lives and, and support system. So, you know, we're recognizing the value of, um, you know, addressing the, the child and adolescent within their family system is, is important. I work a lot with young people struggling with anxiety, um, depression and other mood disorders, as well um, as ADHD and executive functioning issues and helping families navigate, um, you know, if there are times where supportive services are needed um, throughout a, P, a K through 12 school system. Um, I'm a mom also. I have a almost 15 year old son, which is so hard to believe how um, fast time flies. So yes. I definitely think um, being a mom makes me a better counselor because I always kind of think, you know, how would I want someone to come to my child or to, to my family when they're in a um, place of need? So, um, Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And um, to your point, my husband has a saying that the days are long, but the years are short. So, and mm -hmm. I, <laughs> when you're a mom, we have a 21 year old and a 19 year old. So they're not technically children anymore. They're young adults for the most part. Right. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um, Christy, thank you so much. And Jen, we're just delighted uh, to welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks as well. Could you share a little bit about your background and area areas of expertise? Sure, thank you for having us. Um, my name is Jen Van and I own a private practice in Roswell called Cornerstone Family Services. I've been, uh, I'm a trained marriage and family therapist. So as Christy was talking about that family piece, that is my specialty working with whole families and children and adolescents within the family system. Um, I've been in practice for about 15 years and have a whole bevy of therapists uh, at Cornerstone at the moment. Um, and so we, we see a, a wide range of issues from um, adolescent anxiety and depression to eating disorders to, um, like I said, family therapy and then um, adults, well, all sorts of adult and couple issues. So um, 
my specialty, like I said, lies in the family system and working with uh, adolescents within the family system. So often, even if I see an adolescent, I'm seeing the whole system um, as part of the treatment. So I may be seeing the adolescent individually, but we'll be pulling parents in. I'm a huge, uh, a huge component of what I do is parenting support. And, um, you know, I get to see a child for an hour, but I have to send them home for the rest of the time. And so using parents as a part of the treatment is really important when you're addressing some of these heavy topics. It, it really is. And um, not to make light of the situation, but I have said, and most people agree, I received more information when we adopted our dog out of a, um, you know, from a rescue organization than when we left the hospital with either baby, like there's no playbook, mm -hmm. right? And, mm -hmm. and yet people just expect you and, and life has just, it's so much more complicated now for our youth um, than definitely when I was growing up. Um, and then of course we layer on the global health emergency that we're all going through. Um, so, mm -hmm. well, we're, um, I know that there are many families that are so grateful to have you as, as part of, of their system of care. So thank you. So you've both mentioned it, um, depression and anxiety, and we're at a time in the school year when teens and young adults are going to be returning to school campuses, some virtual perhaps for the first week or so, but with that comes a lot of stress and anxiety. And this, I mean, can you believe it? This is the third school year that we have been impacted by COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of implications there. Can you talk, and this may be too broad and I apologize, but can you, Talk um, a little bit about that anxiety and depression that you see in, in your youth. It was already an issue before COVID, right? Um, and how about now? Um, Dr. Land, want to start with you? Sure. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, anxiety and depression among uh, children and adolescents um, is at an all-time high, and it was high before that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, most of the research prior to COVID, it was about 10% of, you know, youth seven and under had some type of diagnosable level of anxiety and depression and about 18% of kids 12 to 17. And those numbers are on the rise. Um, wow. I think one of the, um, you know, they've both gone up, I think by about 5% per, percent since um, mm -hmm. COVID um, hit us. And you know, there, I think there's just so many factors that contribute to having young people that are experiencing these high levels of depression, uh, stress, and anxiety. Um, one, you know, I think just the demands placed on children um, are, are very different than they were um, decades a, ago. Just, yeah. you know, that um, expectation for academics, just the movement you know, in education in general, in terms of meeting standards and, you know, kind of that, that pressure to achieve certainly plays a, a, a role, um, as well as um, technology, I think is another big uh, factor we have at play here. Um, you know, kids are not with people um, face to face right. um, and interacting. And that was pre-pandemic. And then you throw in COVID into the mix and, you know, not having, you know, having to isolate um, just grew those concerns to a whole another level, not to mention you have stress 
and depressed parents um, who are, you know, dealing with um, caring for sick loved ones, have lost mm-hmm. jobs, um, you know, are, are trying to just keep the household of afloat, which can create, you know, an overall um, difficult environment um, at home. And, you know, you're, you mentioned specifically about going back to school, I mean, our educators are stressed, um, yes. you know, about what's going to happen next. I mean, this is just, you know, I think everything is just magnified going through this unprecedented times um, that are scary for, for everybody. Right. But, um, and then, but to your point with our children and our youth, you know, maybe not having all of the life experiences that older people um, have, not having the vocabulary built out, and then not being in a position to have that face-to-face um, exchange. It's just that snowball is just packing on more mm-hmm. and, and more as it goes down, down the hill. So, Jen, your thoughts about um, anxiety and, and depression in young people? I appreciate what Christy said about the student's environment being more stressed. Like your adults, the adults in a student's life are more stressed. And typically what our brains do when we get more stressed and more anxious is we filter out all of the the highly educated pieces that we have put in there and we go back to our basic stuff. Uh, One of the unfortunate side effects of the pandemic has been an increase in child abuse because everyone is spending so much time together and there are limited resources and we're not having the outlets that we've had in Mm -hmm. other areas. And so um, that's one thing that not just educators and therapists, but, you know, anyone who works with children has seen uh, more indications of higher levels of stress at home that are um, not just higher levels of stress, but have been reaching, um, you know, more acute Uh, circumstances that need to be addressed as well. And so, um, you know, when you talk about uh, what you see in the family, you see um, fewer, uh, um, fewer coping skills, fewer resources that have been available. And then our brains going back to kind of that lizard brain stage where we don't access the things that we normally would. Mm -hmm. um, And that can uh, really create uh, a high acuity environment. So when you're spending time with your children and your adolescents, kind of understanding the need for space, like not everyone has a house where everybody has their own room. Right. Um, not everybody has a yard where they can get outside. Um, but recognizing that it's okay not to spend all of our time together. Um, but recognizing when we do spend time together to try and put actual words to the things that we're feeling. So going back to some of those um, basic, <laughs> uh, I, w- I would say these, the, this, these adolescents are probably of the generation where in preschool you learned your feeling words. You go back another decade or two, probably not. We didn't learn our feeling words in preschool, but um, going back to those basic, um, tell me how you feel about what you're seeing on the news. Tell me how you're feeling that you got made fun of for wearing a mask at school. Tell me yeah. how you feel that you have to wear a mask at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having your, your teenagers and your children rate those. Like, so you're feeling a max 10 or you're feeling you know, it's not bothering me at all, which is a one. And using yeah. that rating scale to give parents an idea of where their kids are moving along the spectrum can be a really useful tool to kind of monitoring where your kids are in that anxious and depressed stage. Ah, that's, that's so useful. And then that's a time for us to um, sit down and have um, hopefully some calm and collected conversation and re-engage that prefrontal cord cortex that Mm -hmm. is going to remind us of those coping skills, right? Mm -hmm. As you were talking, Jen, I was 
just thinking about, um, I just finished reading that book, What Happened to You by Dr. Perry and, and Oprah, mm-hmm. which is just fascinating, um, the brain. And, you know, even if our children have not maybe gone through a horrific, traumatic um, experience, like some of the instances that Dr. Perry mentions in that book, I mean, I think all of us, as you said, just get down to that brainstem level, right, and forget about all of that. Um, those skills that we've built up um, as human beings. So um, we have in our conversation this afternoon um, tossed around the term depressed a couple of times. And I think a lot of people use it um, sometimes with a, without um, real thought behind the, the clinical definition of depression, um, almost just in casual conversation and the ramifications that it can have. Um, can one of you and Jen, we can start with you on this, talk a little bit about that. Like what is really true depression and when should a parent or a caregiver be concerned? Um, we all know that teenagers can be moody, no doubt, and um, have some particular anxieties going on right now. You know, you mentioned, um, masking, you know, our family does this, we can't control what other families do and all of that. But when should a parent's or caregiver's antenna go up about um, their, uh, the young child in their life and depression? I think that's a really good question to ask because a lot of times when a family is experiencing something with a teenager, they chalk it up to being a teenager. Mm-hmm. And in my own experience, both personally and anecdotally, And what the research tells us is teenagers are not horrible. And all of those stereotypes that we see on TV and in movies, that's not a real accurate reflection of the teenage experience or or parents' experience with their own teenagers. And so my first go-to is to trust your gut. As a parent, if you sense that something is off, you don't have to raise the alarm and call the fire department, but you should probably do a little digging. That rating scale that I talked about earlier, But when children and adolescents both, when they begin to withdraw, and again, that's sort of stereotypical teenager, but withdraw where they're not wanting to spend time with their friends or engage in the activities that they normally would, that's a time where your antenna needs to get a little sharper. You need to hone in a little bit about why aren't you wanting to do that activity? You used to really enjoy that. Some of that may be natural um, transition from childhood into adolescence. You know, at some point we were all playing with dogs and stuffed animals, and then we don't do that anymore. And there's a natural transition there. Um, but if there's a real interest in in pursuing art or pursuing music or pursuing a particular sport, and all of a sudden that seems to drop, that's another place where your antenna can go up. Christy, do you have more to add to those specifics? Yeah, I think um, you know you hit many of the the high points in terms of um, warning signs for, you know, significant levels of depression. But just to, you know, add a few more, um, you know, just watching, you know, how they're sleeping and eating and kind of changes to those um, basic level needs, Um, you know, for any child to function at a healthy um, level, you know, sleep and food. And we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, those have to be, be met. Um, I think, you know, with the withdrawal piece and the social connection piece, again, you know, COVID and the pandemic has really put a big old wrench in like, what is developmentally 
typical these days mm-hmm. because social development is a skill. And so, you know, these children and adolescents had a halt and learning those social skills um, for a good, you know, year and a half, two years. And we're, you know, some of them are still recovering from that. So, you know, really learning to differentiate between what is maybe some developmental um, concerns in terms of lack of, you know, knowing how to interact socially versus, you know, some mood stuff going on. But, you know, a big thing is that, um, you know, not finding joy or happiness and things that typically, you know, would make them excited. Another thing to think about just from a um, school perspective, I think so often, you know, when educators have so much on their plate, you know, when a child is not performing up to their ability, a lot of times the go-to is, well, they don't care, they're not trying, um, but a depressed or anxious child, their cognic- cognitions are going to be impacted. So, you know, if you have a kid that is, you know, has 99th percentile scores on tests that are saying, you know, yeah, they have this strength in, in math, but they're getting C's and D's, like that should needs to be a, a red flag of what's going on on there instead of that assumption that, well, they, you know, don't care. They're not trying. School's not important to them. Most of the time, if you talk to children and adolescents about school, it's something that is very important to them. Mm -hmm. There's some type of barrier or need that's not being, being met. Wow. So many things, but it really, it comes down to as so many things do is, you know, communication and just trying to keep those um, avenues of communication open and keeping that parent um, antenna up. So thank you. Thank you both for that. Yeah. And just one thing to add really quickly, yes. when Jen was talking about the, um, you know, that communication and rating scales with your children. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I'll re- um, recommend the families I work with to, you know, do a daily like high, low, wow, or sun cloud. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for some parents, it's easier to let's talk about how we how we feel and what's going on for others, it, it's not as comfortable. So having that structure to help them um, with those conversations, I think is something that um, fosters keeping those lines of communication open. That's a really good point. Um, and it can be, you know, if, if you're not comfortable um, with that, just like putting it on your to-do list and right, mm-hmm. um, having some intentionality around it. And maybe it's more comfortable for a parent if they're driving in the car with Mm -hmm. their, you know, and that way the eye contact um, is maybe not as intense. And that can be a a natural way. I've heard that a lot of um, very open conversations can take place when you're in the car, because Mm -hmm. the the pressure is off, you know, mom's not staring you um, eyeball to eyeball. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, definitely, um, I know the benefits of uh, establishing a relationship with a therapist are, are very well known. Um, unfortunately, not everybody can easily access therapy, though. And it's my understanding that many counselors, many therapists are like completely booked right now. We're worried about their own um, ability to compartmentalize and do some self care for themselves. Um, and it's, it can be difficult for um, a new patient to, uh, to get in to schedule an appointment. What can be done? Jen's already shared um, some things with us um, that, um, and Dr. Land as well, but what can be done um, 
again, in, in the meantime, can parents and teens do to address depression, anxiety? Is there something when a parent is trying to get um, established relationship with a therapist for their family that they should um, think about or communicate that would help in that process? So um, a good re a good place to start and looking for a therapist is um, psychologytoday.com. You can go to their search for a therapist tool, search by zip code, insurance, specialty areas. Um, and I would pay attention to those um, bios. I think they can give you a good idea of, um, you know, the type of counseling and practice, you know, that that therapist can offer. I mean, a lot of times on there, they will, you know, say if they're accepting new patients, mm -hmm. um, another, you know, and while that's one area to search and we wish, you know, when we searched in there, the perfect fit two miles from the house that accepted blue cross blue shield would pop up. No, that's probably, you know, usually does not happen. So, you know, also using your school counselor, contacting, um, you know, someone at, at school, a lot of times specifically, I know in Cobb County schools, they have a what's called a provider coalition list that are literally hundreds, uh, hundreds of providers um, that work directly with Cobb County schools that will do a, um, a free um, intake assessment mm -hmm. with your child. And a lot of times, you know, that initial appointment can allow you to, to find out if that's going to be a good match um, for your, your family. Um, so, you know, not being afraid to connect with somebody at, at school. Um, the other um, thing to consider, especially for um, young people is, you know, seeking out some type of, of group counseling or group resource. Um, you know, a lot of times there's more spaces and groups than there are um, in individual counseling slots, at least as a way to get, get started. And then one last thing to consider is, you know, telehealth is, um, you know, has some great advantages to it. And while some people may prefer that face-to-face, in office, um, you know, telehealth could be a viable option if mm -hmm. you were, you know, needed to be on a waiting list to find somebody more local in your area that you can meet in office. Um, a lot of the states have lifted restrictions on practicing across state lines. So there's a lot of um, um, platforms that, you know, specifically offer telehealth. So that could be a good place to, to start. And then, you know, finally, I just want to make sure that we address this, um, you know, at some point, you know, if um, a parent or guardian ever has any, you know, immediate concerns for their child's safety or health, um, you know, taking that individual directly to the, the ER mm -hmm. um, and not, not waiting. Um, because if you, you know, have, have a child where you, maybe they're self-harming or have made statements that they want to end their life, a therapist um, is going to directly send you, you know, to for a safety assessment at, um, you know, a crisis care, care. Mm -hmm. um, uh, establishment. So just want to make sure that that is stated somewhere in here today, because yes. it is, you know, in my experience and research that support this, you know, when kids are making those statements, there's usually something but behind it. Now, whether mm -hmm. it's, are they at a significant risk? Or is that their way to say, I'm really angry or I need um, some help, but every one of those statements needs to be taken, taken seriously. Take and 
Um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline has a lot of great resources on their website. You can actually call or even chat with a licensed um, provider on there for you as a parent were ever in a situation where you did not have a therapist and you weren't really sure, is this the time where I need to go to the ER? Um, mm-hmm. That's a great, great resource as well as um, SAMHSA and National Institute for Mental Health have a lot of great resources that parents can access. Wow, that's a lot. Thank you so much for that. <clears throat> Jen, anything to add to that list? Um, the only additional resource I would add as far as suicidal ideation and threat is the Georgia um, GCAL, Georgia Crisis and Access Crisis Line. Access line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a mobile unit and usually a mental health clinician needs to be involved in that process to get the mobile unit out, but that is another resource that parents have. Um, do you have, um, with your collective, do you have a place for resources on your website? We, we do, yes. Okay, I have a list of signs of depression and what parents can do and what which um which cries for help need like immediate attention. I have okay. a handout for that that I can give to you after we're done recording here. And then oh, you could, that that would be great. Um, and then we'll um, put that URL in the in the podcast so that people can um, access that. Thank you, thank Sounds you great. very much for that. So, um, psychologytoday.com, your school counselors, um, consider group therapy which I was thinking, um, Christy, as you were talking, could also be helpful from the standpoint that a young person would see, oh, I'm not the only one who mm-hmm. feels this way. Mm-hmm. There's, while you may be feeling miserable, sometimes it's comforting to not be miserable all by yourself, right? Um, don't yeah. forget about telehealth and how that can um, actually bring in resources from other areas. Um, but in terms of a crisis, don't hesitate. Um, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Line or the GCAL um, line, which is also available in Spanish. And then don't be surprised if you are directed to an emergency um, setting, um, emergency department setting or um, a crisis hospital setting. So, wow, we've covered a lot. (laughs) So, um, Jen and um, Christy, I thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. So helpful for um, our audience. Listeners, I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And to be sure that you don't miss any future episodes of Mind Your Mind Speaks, please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind Speaks podcast. Also, we ask if you, that you leave us a review on Apple. And until next time, remember, there is no health without mental health. Please mind your mind and keep an eye on those young people in your lives. Thank you, everyone. Bye.